Well, good morning. I thought I'd do uh, kind of like a little short. Um, I waste a lot of research and realize it would probably just fall on deaf ears. For those that are interested, um, there's a much longer episode uh, that lies uh, behind this one. So what we're going to talk about today is um, commonly mistranslated terms that uh, not only miss the mark as far as uh, teaching the lesson as intended, but may even teach the opposite. So we'll start today um, with not the most important, but the most uh, uh, salient and apropos, the one that's currently a problem. Uh, it's a term from Sanskrit called Naroda. Naroda. Uh, there's a few um, expressions uh, that involve Naroda because it, it context matters. And we'll get to that in a moment. So Naroda Samapati was recently in a podcast. And it was claimed that it's from chapter 2, Sutta 49. Pardon me, Sutra, Suttas, the Pali. And it speaks of Naroda Samapati. Now, it's not overly clear from the one line, but if you read the preceding lines and the lines after, you get a clear understanding, especially if you look that uh, there's only one, I think, translation that I know of that uh, talks about cessation as, as ending. But again, they don't mean complete and total cessation. What we're talking about, the longer expression here, the Naroda Samapati, is the path of cessation, to cease, not completely stop everything, but what are you eliminating? What are you ceasing? So uh, it's actually something that, uh, so I've spoken to a number of experts on this. So this is from um, Sarva Priyananda. Uh, he's... Um, the uh, scholar, the, the leader, the Swamiji of the New York Vedanta Society. And he used the Bhagavad Gita, not the Yoga Sutras of Pantanjali, to express this um, idea. So within the Bhagavad Gita, there is something called Chitta Vritti Naroda. And what that means is Chitta, that's the mind form, consciousness form, not mind like um, the mass, the physical mass that we know of, like we call that manas. But I'm talking the consciousness, the volition, the thinking, the feeling, the wanting, the, you know, the self in a sense, but we're not going that deep into this right now because there is a Naroda uh, Samapati for, for uh, the negation of self, but it's not the same because you're not ceasing a self, because there never was a self. In that case, you're ceasing attachments. Very similar to this here. But in this case, when we're talking about chitta vritti naroda, we're talking about mind or um, consciousness, chitta, these attachments, these volitions, these formations, these feelings, vedana in Sanskrit. Uh, chitta vritti, vritti means these fluctuations these preferences, these volitions, these wants. The example I'd give is you see a house and you don't just see a dwelling, a vahara, right? A just, you know, you start to think about, is it a nice house? Do I like the color? And then you might even go so far as to imagine living in that house. 
That's what you want to cease, right? I love recently, completely unrelated, a YouTube video from Japan. And um, when her daughter was embarrassed, feeling shy, the Japanese uh, actually says, are you experiencing um, feelings of embarrassment? They don't say, are you embarrassed, as we do in the West. So this is this idea of being detached from one's emotions, chitta, vritti, naroda. And once you get attached from, instead of saying, I am angry, I am experiencing angry, or there is anger. Right? So the cessation is to stop attaching to your emotions as if they are you. Next, stop attaching to you as if it is a thing, because again, cessation of something that never existed. It's tough to sell. But in this case, you're ceasing the belief in something that never existed. That makes perfect sense. So if there is no self, how can you be angry? You're just experiencing the, uh, the uh, symptoms that led up to these feelings, these volitions. Chitta vritti naroda is explained as ceasing your attachment, your preference, your, your wanton desire, right? You can have a desire for freedom. You can have a desire for, for understanding, for awareness, mukshi or mukta, uh, mukti. But you don't cease breathing for six days. This I have to uh, expose. There's uh, people going around talking about this. Now they're talking about Siddhi. In fact, I called that, that they would move once they were shown as being um, a false prophet of the Naroda Samapati. They would switch to Siddhi, which to some closeted, magic-loving people believe that Siddhi is magic or supernatural powers. It is not. In fact, the Buddha explains how a great hunter, his skill in the hunt is his siddhi. So it is skill. Uh, the example I might give is after his enlightenment, the Buddha flew to his first meeting. This idea of having supra-mundane powers of concentration to be able to make a journey and not be distracted on the way. Siddhi. Siddhi is not magic powers. They seem like magical powers, right? The example might be, imagine a professional athlete or uh, a scholar or an artist. Um, this skill in whatever it is they do seems super mundane, seems magic by comparison to what we believe we're capable that's a whole nother story. Siddhi. And that leads us to probably the most damaging mistranslation of mindfulness. Meditation as well, but that's this whole separate discussion. Mindfulness. Mindfulness. This, this journey began when a cognitive science uh, professor translates phrenesis, the German word for... German word. Apologies. The Greek word for acquired knowledge, practical knowledge, phrenesis, 
off translated as mindfulness. And the word attributed to that is sati. Sati is interesting. It, it does mean to remember, right? But in this case, it's specific to what you should remember, right? The marks of existence. You should remember that there is no self, right? So not self. This idea that we're part of a system greater than our ourselves, right? We pulled down from... Uh, well, I won't go into that. The idea that the self is nothing but a storehouse of preferences. So the chitta um, is a choice from moment to moment. You attach to, I like blue or I like green. Like think of when you're getting dressed in the morning. That's the self. What you prefer to wear based on what you feel good in. Not because it fits best or it's most uh, soft on the skin, but because what you feel most attractive in. Completely arbitrary. Meaning, as it were. So it's actually to remember that our suffering, dukkha, flows from two main sources. Our attachment to permanence. Right? Nothing lasts, good or bad. And, and as Kipling said, if you treat uh, disaster and triumph as the impostors they are, yours is the world and everything that's in it. This idea that uh, permanence and uh, belief in ego is the source of our suffering. That's what we're to remember. So the rest of the expression is more important and arguably is what we translate as mindfulness. So sati, remember what we talked about, sampajana. So that translates roughly to, to apply clear comprehension to all of life's activities. Why do they say that? So not just comprehension, because comprehension is variable. It's based on presence, it's based on relevance. But I argue that Buddhism, being one of these early um, treatments for trauma, eh, because you have to have clear comprehension. So if you're biased... If you need to see through the noise, these can be trained. You need to heal trauma that might cause um, a disconnect for this clear comprehension. So again, mindfulness is actually a longer word in Sanskrit, similar in, in, uh, in Pali. Sati Sampajana. This is to remember to bring clear comprehension to all of life's daily activities. That is meditation. Uh, dhyana or jhana in Pali Sanskrit and Pali Dhyana is mind training it's this idea of understanding the nature of self understanding the nature of impermanence and applying these clear comprehensions to all of life's daily activities we could go further from there but uh, I wanted to keep it fairly short so I think that's some of the major. There are some others that are causing confusion. Um, I, I re recommend looking at the fetters, uh, the fetters of rites and rituals and ceremony. Um, they help, they aid, they guide. Um, they can even illuminate. Uh, but so many use them as a barrier to insight. Uh, Kamachando is one that I commonly uh, balk about, uh, the idea that um, we talk about sensual pleasures when we should be talking about somatic 
and even psychological pleasures, right? We get all locked up in our minds or we get locked up in a physical experience, um, you know, no matter what it might be, uh, to deny uh, the need for these transitions, right? This, uh, this overcoming, overcoming of attachment, overcoming of preference, overcoming of our own self-defeating qualities is, is something that's so, so often forgotten. That the, uh, the greatest aspect of all of these teachings, be it um, the transcendentalists of uh, Thoreau and uh, Emerson or uh, Nietzsche, who, once again, like Emerson, has is, is been maybe relegated uh, to uh, the back burner because of so many that misunderstood uh, this call to a personal connection to meaning, not a denial of the divine or uh, the oneness of all, um, but, but an acceptance... Uh, kind of like Carl Fristren's free energy, understanding, and Emerson wrote this himself, um, Nietzsche wrote it as well, um, Jung, uh, in fact, they all write this, this idea that the mind is a predictive engine. The mind is there to help relieve some of the doubt and also give us some insight and guidance. So, most important is uh, the message behind uh, these aphorisms, these sh short, pithy little statements. And I think it's this personal connection that's been lost. When we uh, divorce ourselves from our own need to understand and internalize, uh, to develop insight, when we don't realize this truth, um, we... Uh, ask others to, uh, to bring us along when we have to realize that um, it's just the finger pointing to the moon, right? You don't concentrate on the finger or the moon. It's the path. But that said, uh, have a wonderful day. And uh, yeah, thank you for your time.